Welcome to the Tidewad Tech bonus episode 1.5. There we go. Uh, we're going to go with 0.5. That, that's what we're going to go with. Uh, this is not on our regularly scheduled list of episodes. It's just um, one that sort of sprung up out of a conversation that Sean and I were having. And so we decided we'd record that and release it as an episode. So uh, welcome. Welcome. What people don't know uh, is not only am I a tightwad, but I'm a rain man. And uh, we have (laughs) episodes lined out with show notes months in advance of when we're going to do them. Right. And so to throw this thing in there is um, it's sort of a... You know, definitely not my underwear moment for me. I'm not sure where I'm going to put this, but uh, <laughs> we'll figure something out. Um, so I'm going to read to you, uh, well, uh, a little background information. Uh, Sean and I are both on a, uh, a statewide mailing list, email list of, of technology professionals in education. It's teachers, it's uh, network engineers, it's, uh, it's, it's education-centered, and it's tech-centered. And there's been this... Uh, I'm looking at my Google Reader, or excuse me, uh, Gmail uh, message thread, and I think right now it's up to like 47 different uh, responses that have gone into it. And a guy asked a, an innocuous question, and it turned into a Windows versus Mac uh, flame war. But but to, that's that's not appropriate. It's not a flame war. It's actually been a really good discussion. Yeah, it's like um, a pilot light. Yeah, it's you know? been a, a really uh, interesting discussion. But I'm just going to read... An excerpt from um, a, a woman who sent an email here. Um, I'm not going to identify any uh, uh, names or anything because I didn't ask her permission. But uh, I, I'm just going to read this little uh, piece of, of the email. Um, it says, One thing I know for sure is that I've never had a Windows computer that didn't slow down after a couple of years, if not sooner, or have installation issues, or file conflicts, or need the registry cleaned up regularly, or require that three other applications be downloaded to make one piece of software actually work that you need immediately. It seems like there's always something with Windows, but applications miraculously seem to work the first time on Macs. What's up with that? So I thought that was a great question. What's up with that? So as I'm reading this, I'm thinking back over my years of use with computers. I began in the pre-Windows 95 days, but but let's just say the modern computing era era began in Windows 95. Uh, So 1995, this is 2010, 15 years now, we've been in what I would call the modern computing era. I have never experienced what this woman's talking about. I have owned dozens of computers in that time and I've never had this problem now I've seen it hundreds of times in the clients that I support at the schools I've worked right. uh, I've had to, to re-image machines and, and erase uh, Windows uh, installations because of this stuff, sort of stuff it starts slowing down it gets bogged down or whatever but I personally have never experienced it so to to quote this lady here what's up with that yeah uh I think that kind of gets at it, right? It gets down to, I think, the user and the use of the of the machine. Uh, I have experienced both sides of that. So uh, back when I was what I would call the average user, that's exactly my experience. Uh, I, you know, over time, the computer just slowly worked its way towards uh, unusability, uh, you know, performance, and it would lock up and do all kinds of crazy things. And uh, but then, as I became a tech professional, and I became a uh, more of a, you know, slanted towards being a power user, I guess, and really understanding what I should and shouldn't do when I'm on a computer. Uh, 
now I don't experience that at all. I've I've got a, my computer at home is a Vista machine. I've had it for three years, and it works. It might work better today than it did, it did when I first got it because when I first got it, it was early Vista. Um, so you know, I'm really happy with it. But I'm not doing crazy things like clicking on every link that somebody sends me and uh, uh, you know uh, using file sharing, uh, uh, LimeWire, or you know things of that nature. So. Yeah, so I wonder how much of this issue is really one of perspective. Um, most uh, people that I hear raving about the Mac and about how wonderful it is are former Windows users. And I think that's fair to say that almost everybody who's been using a computer for a while is a former Windows users, uh, a user because uh, Microsoft really dominated the market for a long time. Right. Apple, Apple had a huge head start. And they sort of rested on their laurels and their their patent library and let Windows uh, catch up with them. And then Windows leapfrogged them, and then it's kind of been back and forth. And, and I would posit that today they're, they're pretty much parallel. But, but let's go back to the fact that <clears throat> there's a historical perspective. Um, most people who are talking about these experience of the experiences they've had in Windows are not talking about modern experiences. They're relaying... The past. So, so let's talk about the history of Windows. Windows ninety five came out uh, with no firewall. Um, in fact, there there really wasn't any antivirus at that point. Not 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 reg- standard. It wasn't standard fare. Yeah, not like we have it today. Um, <clears throat> and then XP came out, and again, no firewall. Um, by that point, antivirus uh, was fairly common, and a whole industry had sprung up around anti-malware and building personal firewalls. Uh, XP Service Pack 2 added a firewall, but it was turned off by default. You had to go in and turn it on. Uh, XP Service Pack 3, they turned it on. Windows Vista had a slightly better firewall. Um, uh, Windows 7 has a great firewall built in with with stateful packet inspection and and inbound rules and outbound rules. It's really high quality, built right into the OS. And you've got Microsoft Security Essentials, which isn't installed by default, um, but is really easy to get and really highly recommended and, for all intents and purposes, is part of the OS. So if you take that modern platform, if I go buy um, a Windows 7 laptop, a high-end laptop, and put that next to uh, an OS 10.2 Snow Leopard high-end Mac, and then bring somebody in with no historical background, and and I'll use my daughter as an example. My my oldest daughter is eight years old. Start that again, Mo. Um, so, and I'll use my my um, my daughter as uh, as an example. My 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 oldest daughter is uh, eight years old. Okay. And and so she doesn't have any historical perspective. Her experience, as far as I know, unless she's uh, had some at school, and, and I don't think her school has any Macs, her experience is entirely and exclusively with Windows Vista. Mm-hmm. And it's not a negative experience. She doesn't, uh, you know, I, and I, I hate to use a child because there's that whole higher level thinking thing, but let's just let's just throw that out for a minute. But her experience is she sits down at the computer, it does what she wants it to do. Right, and I, I've seen her in action, and she's like that uh, little girl on the Windows commercials. You know, <laughs> just she's going and, and getting on there and, and doing what she what she wants to do. Right, and I, and I don't think she's special in that. I think today's kids just interact with technology in that way. 
Um, and then what do you hear from a Mac user, a dedicated Mac user? It just does what I want it to do. That's their whole sales pitch, right? Right. Is it just does what you want it to do. So I think that it's a, um, a, a comp- comparison of apples and oranges or apples and windows. Um, <laughs> uh, the issue is that we're comparing the the Apple OS of today to the Windows OS of yesterday. And that's not a fair comparison. Well, uh, I mean, I definitely agree with you there, but I don't know that that's necessarily also uh, all the heart of the problem. Because what it seems to me is that uh, what Apple does is really more protect users from themselves. So I agree with you. On the surface, if you, uh, you could take a MacBook Pro and run Windows 7 on it, and uh, put it in front of a user, and I'm sure they would absolutely love it, right? On the surface, up front. But over time, I think as uh, as people use those systems, I think Apple just protects the user from themselves a little bit more. Uh, it doesn't give them the latitude that, that you have in Windows. And so power users, uh, you know, tech people and things like that, uh, uh, you know, I, I think we would be much happier in an XP environment, right? But the Mac environment makes more sense for certain things. You know, if you're doing uh, audio or visual uh, editing work and things like that, the, the the Macs excel at that. But, you know, they keep people, I think, just a little bit more inside of a box, and that box is nice and, and cozy and safe, and uh, yeah, I you don't, don't get think, that on Windows. I don't think anybody would argue that the Mac environment and the Mac experience is a fairly closed one and a fairly restricted one. And... Um, The mindset, uh, I'm going to throw iPhone users in there too, is is when you talk to one of these really diehard users, um, their attitude is, well, if it's not in there, I don't need it. And and, and I'm not not dogging that. I'm just saying that's just sort of the way it is. It's this really closed box. It's a pretty box. It's a plush box. It's a comfortable box. Uh, But it's a closed box. And I would say that by the closed um, and restricted nature of the Apple environment, they force users to be better users. In in the Windows environment, everything works. You know, every piece of hardware that you buy, you just expect it to work. Every piece of software that you find, you just expect it to work. There's this expectation of anything I want to do, the Windows machine had better accommodate me. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, it's a piece of crap. Right in the Mac world, in in the Apple environment, the expectation is, I need to do what the machine allows me to do and enjoy the process. Right, right, absolutely. Uh, I, you know that makes me think of you know if you have small children and you live uh, on a street and you tell your kids not to go into the street, not to go running into the street, right? And that usually works. But every day across the country, some kid runs into the street and gets hit by a car. Well, in the, in the Mac neighborhood, your your yard has a six-foot fence around it. Uh, so you don't have to you don't have to worry about telling your kids to to run into the street. They're not going to. They can't. You know. Uh, so I th- that just seems to me to be more of what's going on there. And you know, I'm a, I'm a PC, right? I'm I'm a PC. Uh, I, I have no problem admitting that. But I could see where for most average users, not hardcore tech people, uh, the Mac thing is is gonna make sense. They need to be protected because they don't. They don't have that skill set, and they they need to be protected. They uh, 
they're the people that don't update their antivirus and uh, and click on every link that that uh, comes across their screen, you know. So it, you know that makes sense to me. Yeah, and and being the um, to use your term power user that I am, uh, I hate the Mac environment's closedness. I, I don't hate the Mac environment. I hate the fact that that Steve tells me what I can do and what I can't do, um, and that's. <clears throat> I'm not necessarily saying that's a bad thing, uh, just just as a rule, but for me, it's a bad thing. And and I was talking about how um, you know you could you could say there's parity uh, across the two. I'm even going to throw uh, Linux into that, the modern Linux distribution. You know, in our last episode, uh, or the last episode we recorded, I'm not sure where this is going to end up. But in the last episode we recorded. Uh, we talked about Linux Mint and gave a short little review of that. And I would say that that is, um, you know, a, a third contender there. Uh, talk about this person with no historical perspective. I can uh, uh, set my my child down in front of a, a Mac, uh, a Windows 7, or a Linux Mint, and they're just going to use it, and it's just going to do what they want it to do, and, and they're going to be fine with that. Um, I, I don't know that I have a point here. But I think it's important to realize that we're not always talking about the same terms. We, we have these arguments. We have these um, almost holy wars. And it really comes down to the fact that we're not talking about the same thing. Right. So if you confine your conversation to the best of breed today, right now uh, in April uh, 2010, if I go and buy three identical sets of hardware and I put um, Mac OS on one, Windows 7 on one, and Linux Mint on one, and hand it to a user who has been living in a bubble and has never seen a computer before. Which one is he going to like better? I don't think we can know. I think it's just going to come down to personal preference. It's not going to be that one is um, intrinsically superior to another. What do you think about that? Yeah, uh, I, I agree, and I think again, it 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 all really. It, it's kind of funny because we're always talking about the OS, but what it really gets down to is the user and the situation and the environment that they're going to be operating in. Uh, and that was a great part of that email thread, right? There, was, that point was made in that in that thread that uh, you know it 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 depends. It just depends. You know, what are you trying to accomplish there? Uh, one is not necessarily just intrinsically better than the other. It, it, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish there, what you're doing, who your users are, what they're going to be doing with those machines. And uh, uh, you go from there. You have to ask those questions, I think, first. Now, to, to sort of bring this full circle and, and put it back into the tightwad mentality, you have to look at the cost of the unit. Um, a Mac is an expensive piece of equipment. Right. Nobody, you can't argue with that. That is a true statement. Um, it's a high quality piece of equipment. Apple has uh, sort of set themselves up as the Bentley of the computing world. Um, right. If you have to ask how much it costs, you don't need it. Um, it, it just it's for people who want to use it and and want that um, really high end, high quality. Um, Experience. I've heard a lot of Windows, uh, excuse me, Mac bashers, diehard Windows guys, talking about the fact that you're going to spend three thousand dollars for a decent Mac 
machine, and, and I don't dispute that statement. Um, but if you take that same hardware, um, or if you build a Windows machine with similar specs, that too is going to cost you about three thousand dollars. Right. And especially since Apple moved to the standard Intel platform, um, there really is no difference anymore, and you can you can put any OS on on any um, platform. So I can go buy uh, a MacBook, and I can format the hard drive and put Windows on it, or and I can format the hard drive and put Linux on it. And so let's say I bought three MacBooks and have the exact identical hardware. Um, let's take that out of the, equa- the equation. I think people compare a $300 netbook, which is designed to be cheap, right, with a $3,000 MacBook, which is designed to be the best of breed, right, and well, say and try to compare the two. And and I think it, it, your use of the word Bentley was perfect because that is what I usually think of when I think of this is is uh, an analogy of cars, right? So if I am a business executive and I live uh, in an affluent city, I'm going to drive a Mercedes. Uh, that's appropriate to my situation. Uh, if I'm a if I'm a single mother with three kids just trying to scrape to get by, I'm going to buy the fuel, you know, the fuel economy uh, 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 cheap vehicle that's appropriate to my situation, what I can afford, and and how I'm going to use it. Uh, if I'm a North Texas rancher, uh, I'm going to buy some heavy duty truck that that's uh, appropriate to my situation, and uh, you know, so. You, Kind of like you said, you know, you're the apples to oranges or, you know, yeah, they're all cars. They're all computers. Uh, but, no, they're not the same. And the people who are using them and the situations they're using them in are totally different. So uh, one that is appropriate and is the best for one person, that North Texas rancher can't use a Mercedes. So you can argue all day long that the Mercedes is shinier and uh, better and has the leather interior and everything else. That means nothing to the rancher. Uh, so I, I think that kind of, to me, that's what gets at the heart of this. And it, it's it's so funny. That's why you get these those, these polarities in uh, uh, in the allegiances, right? I mean, the Mac people that are just absolutely Apple fans, that fits their needs. And that's not going to change. Uh, and then, you know, guys like us who like to be more flexible and be able to experiment and get outside of that box, uh, a Mac is going to be frustrating to us. And it is to me. I have I have used them, um, and and that's exactly the experience I have. It's, it's um, how can I express this? I, I, I'll ask a Mac um, uh, expert or somebody who is comfortable in that world, how do I do X? And they'll say, you don't, you do Y. Right. And and that's just the way it is. But I grew up uh, building these things and, and programming my own uh, software and, and doing stuff the way I want to do it, when I want to do it, dang it. And, and that right. machine is just supposed to do that. Right. Um, which is one of the things that draws me to Linux, you know, as open and as... Um, I don't want to use the word open, as extensible and flexible as Windows is, uh, Linux is an order of magnitude more so. You can you can do anything. And I mean, like um, in a Windows, for example, environment, you have 
a certain windowing system. You have Explorer, and that's your your thing, and you can make it look classic, or you can make it be arrow, but that's what you got in Linux. I can put GNOME on there or KDE or ICE WM or whatever I want there. I can control uh, all the way down to, to the, inv- uh, the the icons and whether there even are icons. I can run right. a completely terminal. If I'm Bandana Man, I can do, um, you know, <laughs> let's talk about Bandana Guy. i got to throw that in there. Um, <clears throat> Boy, I hope he doesn't yeah. end up being one of our <laughs> listeners. You're, you're going to hear Bandana Guy thrown around a lot. And Bandana Guy is um, is Sean and I, uh, Sean's and my um, code word or, or every, uh, every man description of the uber geek, the guy, y- you know him. Everybody out there knows one of them, right? It's the dude <laughs> who... who, um, who Sits at uh, a coffee shop with his bandana on his head and his long hair and his scraggly goatee, and his pocket protector, and and and, and jokes about you know makes jokes in binary and and feels superior when people don't get it. Right. I, I love Bandana Guy. The Bandana Guy got us to the moon, and and Bandana Guy invents the future. But I don't want to hang out with Bandana Guy, and so. Um, that that's just uh, when when we talk about that, that's what we're talking about. This the Uber geek, the the, the one who makes um, who makes me, and I'm pretty much an Uber geek, uh, look like a kid in the playground. Well, and the funny thing is, is right. He's so far out there, right? And yet he still thinks that the entire world should operate the way he does. Right. Yeah, the guy who's mad that he can't. Um, download um, Hulu on his text-only browser, you know, and he just thinks he should be able to. Right. Uh, and gets mad because the world isn't accessible in his way. Yeah, or, the, so, or that the entire world doesn't know the hexadecimal system. Right. <laughs> and I've totally forgotten the point I was going to make, but I think it had something to do with the fact that um, if I'm Bandana Guy, I hate Windows because it's too restrictive. Right. And I like Linux because it's more open and more flexible. I'm not bandana guy and I don't hate Apple, but that's it's sort of a sliding scale. You move to me, I don't like the Apple environment and I choose not to use it because it doesn't have the flexibility that I like. Just like bandana guy goes way on the other end and then you go all the way down to, you know, uh, the I'm a Mac versus I'm a PC guy. The, the I'm a Mac guy is just that. He um, he doesn't distinguish himself from his operating system. He right. is a Mac, and and he worships at the altar of Steve Jobs. And if Steve doesn't see fit to put Flash on his iPad, that's because the world doesn't need Flash, and that's right. just the way it is. Right, and the, the pure Apple fan mm-hmm. is like, oh, okay, I'm okay with that. But if they were on a PC and they were trying to watch something on YouTube or something and it wasn't working for some reason because of, you know, all of a sudden Flash is a big deal, right, because it's a PC and it's supposed to work. Right. So let's say the average, I don't know that there is an average Mac user, but I'm going to make him up. The average Mac user is uh, primarily a media consumer and often a media producer. Yeah. Um, A graphic artist, uh, a musician, a video editor. They have a narrow scope of things they want to use their computer to do. The average Windows guy is less focused, and he just wants a machine that works. And he right. wants it to do whatever he wants it to do. Microsoft has, has been over backwards over the years to not break 
backwards compatibility. Um, so much so, in fact, that Windows 7 comes with Windows XP built in right. so that you don't have to ever give up anything. Right. Apple would never do that. They would just say, deal with it and move on. Correct. Um, and that that's, uh, I, I think that's a good point because it, it also goes along the lines of the fact that, you know, uh, people don't, you know, tech people understand this, but I think the average user doesn't understand that uh, Windows is trying to be compatible with a lot of stuff that is not even theirs. You know, Windows is, is has this system and, uh, you know, if, if I download a piece of software and it's badly coded and that software designer, you know, designed a bad software system, uh, and now on Windows it breaks and it doesn't work, uh, what does the average user do? They're going to blame Windows. They're not going to, they're not going to understand, you know, that they should be blaming the software designer. Uh, and, and I think that's something that maybe doesn't it's not it's too much to say that it doesn't exist on on the mac but you know that there's a lot more control there and uh so people aren't going to have that kind of experience nearly as often uh so yeah that's what i'm trying to say (laughs) (laughs) so as long as we're chasing rabbits Excuse me, people. I'm sorry. And some people obviously are eating rabbits or <laughs> something over Northeast there. Northeast Texas allergies are a kicker, and I'm just gonna. It's it's it, they're eating my lunch right now, so I apologize for all the hacking and coughing I'm doing. But since I brought it up, and since this is the weekend, let's talk about the iPad. <laughs> I'm going to tell you uh, my. Uh, forward review of the iPad. I haven't seen it. I'm going to say, you know, like everybody else in the world, I haven't seen it. There's like five reviewers in the world who got advanced units, you know, and a few people uh, at the uh, announcement thing that they had what they called the petting zoo, and they got 20 seconds to pick it up and touch it. So I'm just going to say from the from the get-go, I'm speaking from a point of ignorance, but here's my forward review. I don't get it. <laughs> Explain the iPad to me, Sean. Well, uh, it, it to me just seems like you know something else that the the Apple fans can uh, you know shell out some some dough on. Uh, it, I mean, it almost seems like at this point now it's like you have to have a fix, right? If if you're a true Apple fan, you you have to have a fix every so often. Uh, if it wasn't the iPad, then they'd need to come out with a new a new great version of the iPhone that was maybe in the shape of an octagon or something. I don't know, <laughs> you know. Uh, but you know, you did mention something, and I, I think it's uh, you'll have to describe this, but it, it is worth mentioning. Uh, you came up with a possible use for something like that in your home. Now it's a very limited use, but uh, it did seem to make sense to me. So I'll let you describe that. Well, as I'm as I'm reading specs on this thing and thinking about uh, how it works <clears throat> and what it does and what it doesn't do, I could see in my home. Um, using it as as a um, a home automation automation device, uh, essentially a big remote control. Right. Um, I'm I'm working on uh, and have been for a while now a, a home media center based on uh, Linux, where I want all of my music and all of my movies and everything in one place. And my impetus for this is, as I've mentioned before, I've got uh, young children and. 
a DVD lasts on average about 45 minutes in my home right. before it's ruined or lost or, or just damaged beyond repair. So what I want my first act to ever be, and RIAA, please don't listen to this, or MPAA, um, <laughs> what I want my first act to be when I bring a movie home is I want to rip it to a hard drive in my home and be able to watch it uh, from there, from then on. Right. Um, so I can see the iPad as the, the, the interface for that. This um, thin, lightweight, large display with big buttons that my young kids understand. And I could see the interface to that being the iPad, which has the added benefit of being able to stream those movies too. So it's like a, a remote control that I can actually watch a movie on. Right. Uh, so um, Daddy can pick it up and dial up you know, uh, the green mile and, and middle child can take it, take the remote that daddy just pulled up the movie on and go watch Miley Cyrus on, on the remote. Right. Um, so it, it's uh, versatile in that I can see that. Uh, and that's really the only thing I can see it being, it's not a phone. It's not a computer. It's not a Kindle. It's not a netbook. I, I can come up with lots of things that a iPad isn't. But so far in my world, I can only come up with one thing that it might be. Yeah, and I, I think Apple or Apple fans might argue that it's all of those things, but I, I don't I don't know that I would agree with that, again, based off of what we've seen. Uh, honestly, it to me, it's, it's that Mercedes again. It's that, you know, uh, it's that thing that if you have it, you're cool. You know, you're cool. Hey, look, I got the iPad. Uh, but I really suspect that it's going to spend more time in in uh, bags and, and backpacks and on the side of the bed, you know, the table on the side of the bed. Uh, I just I haven't yet to hear one real compelling reason that to buy it that, you know, the one great thing that it does that nothing else does. Uh, I haven't heard of that. Everything I have read, though, is it's, you know, you ever tried to tell a story? And nobody gets it, and so you just throw your hands up in the air and say, you just had to be there. And most of the reviews I have always sort of end that way. You have to touch it. You have to experience it to get it. Well, let's, let's talk about those reviewers, too, right, because they're, uh, they're members of the media. And members of the media are, are heavy uh, Apple users, Mac users. Uh, I know this. I have a sister that that works for Fox, and uh, their offices are are you know. You just lost all the liberals in the audience when you said Fox. Yeah, maybe, but you know, the, they Fox has to employ liberals to put their stuff out there, right? So uh, yeah, she does. Uh, she does. Uh, uh, she a production assistant and does a lot of graphic art work and things like that. And uh, their offices are full of uh, uh, MacBooks, and it's funny because they run a dual environment. So everybody there pretty much has two computers. Um, so, you know, I, I, when I think of the media, I think that's you're talking about a subset of, of our society who are more likely going to be those heavy Apple users. And that's going to be their perspective. That's the world they live in. And they're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to be ringing in the glories of, of the iPad uh, again to the average Joe on the street out there who doesn't own a MacBook Pro and an iPhone and everything else, which, uh, by the way, is the majority of our population, uh, they're not going to have a use for this thing. Uh, it's, it's just extra hardware. It's going to really equate to uh, being a, a status symbol. 
Well, I guess we'll wait and find out who's right and and who is dead. No, wait, that's uh, that's uh, um, Princess Bride. Sorry. Um, yeah, <laughs> and I know my my statements are are more likely than not to, especially to the Apple crowd, uh, inflammatory yeah. to, to you know to be sure and. You know, hey, I'd be happy to eat my words. You know, if it comes out there, and I'm sure it probably won't be the first one, but, you know, uh, oh, 12, 18 months later when they re- release the good one, the second one, so that you can go yeah, out and buy the, another the one. version two. Uh, you know, that thing may be great, you know, and maybe it will become one of those things that everybody's got to have, but uh, just not quite seeing that yet. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I've read a lot of reviews on a product nobody's seen yet, and the reviews essentially come down on two sides the apple fanboys who say it's the greatest thing ever and the apple haters who say it sucks um they're probably all wrong (laughs) right Um, the the truth is somewhere in the middle there (laughs) and i'm willing if anybody out there wants to send me an ipad so i can give a thoughtful and intelligent review i'm happy to do that but I'm not going to spend $500 for the privilege. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. <laughs> and now let's uh, move on to our regular uh, thing. <laughs> this has been such an irregular podcast. We ought to have one regular thing. Yeah. Uh, and we'll do our uh, tips of the week. Uh, well, I'll go ahead and start off with the teacher tip of the week. Uh, this one came from one of our teachers and uh, really awesome. I-, I was surprised we had never heard of it before. It is I spring free and really the company is I spring but the ispringfree.com uh what this tool does is it is a plug-in for Office 2007 2010 uh so the two latest versions there and it plugs right into PowerPoint and uh gives you the ability to from PowerPoint create or uh, convert it PowerPoint directly to a flash file uh Coming from our teacher who uses it, apparently that works really well. Uh, you don't get a lot of the weird uh, things being moved around and things like that that you see in in those conversions. So, if you've ever had to deal with uh, Microsoft's cryptic pack and go that takes all your fonts and all your pictures and all your media files and puts them all together and makes this weird thing that you have to take someplace and execute, uh, it's kind of a pain and. Um, if, like most schools, you use PowerPoint as sort of the tool in the classroom and you do right. it for way more than it was ever designed to do, you have these things where you have disparate media coming from different places, and it gets really hard to move those things around. And iSpring Free is awesome for that because it just simply makes a one um, media, one flash file uh, that you can open in any browser. Yeah, it's just a beautiful movie of your presentation there. And uh, my understanding of it is that it also does things like, uh, yeah, captures motion and the if you've got underlying music playing in there and things like that, it just grabs all of that. All the animations and everything. Absolutely. So ispringfree.com. Uh, if, you're, if you're a teacher or somebody out there, a heavy user of, of PowerPoint, you might want to check that out. They've got some other paid-for products out there, but ispringfree.com. You can get the free version, and uh, it's supposed to work wonders. And for the tech tip of the week, uh, it's really a, a tip that anybody can use, anybody who is a music lover. Um, if you are like me and you have uh, thousands of songs that were ripped off of hundreds of different CDs, and each one of them is at a slightly different volume, uh, when I'm playing, when I'm driving down the road and I'm playing them through my radio, I'm constantly adjusting the volume up and down, or at least I used to be, until I found a product called MP3 Gain. And uh, the web address of that is mp3gain.sourceforge.net. And what it does is it does some mathematical analysis to figure out how loud a song sounds. 
Uh, I don't know how they do that. That's just what the website says. Um, it doesn't just do normalization, which a, a lot of things do. It actually statistically analyzes the song to figure out how loud it sounds and then adds a, a special MP3 tag that almost all uh, MP3 players now recognize that is a volume tag. And it simply tells the MP3 player to play at a certain volume. It doesn't actually modify the file at all, which makes it super fast. It went through my thousands of MP3s in minutes. Um, oh, wow. And, and it doesn't permanently change the file. If you don't like the results of it, you can undo it. It simply removes that tag and doesn't change the, uh, the file at all. There's no transcoding or anything like that. And that could be, uh, I know we're saying that's the tech tip of the week, but uh, I, I could definitely see even teachers and just the average user, anybody out there could possibly put this to use. Right. It's at mp3gain.sourceforge.net. Uh, and, of course, that link as well as the others, uh, as well as show notes and uh, everything else uh, that you could possibly want to know about this special 1.5 episode will be on our website at thetightwadtech.com. Uh, let me throw in, uh, follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter as well. And you can also find that at our website. Uh, Facebook uh, doesn't let you have a vanity URL until you have 100 followers, and currently we have two uh, that would be sean and mark uh, we like ourselves so uh, uh fan us out there and eventually we'll be able to have the title well, facebook slash the tightwad tech instead of facebook slash pages slash one one nine eight three nine four nine whatever it is yeah yeah kind of <laughs> tough to write down and as i always say we are your servants we work for you you tell us how we're doing and what you want us to do in the future so get on over there to the tightwad tech comment on the show um make points raise discussion and and uh, let us know how we're doing. And for now, this is Mark signing off. And Sean Pavel signing off. <laughs>